Welcome to the My Home, My Mission podcast, a conversation about life at the intersection of faith and family. Hey guys, welcome back to the pod. I'm Chris in studio again today with my friend Jordan. Welcome back. Episode 87. Are you kidding? 87? We're we getting are, we're getting really close. We're 13 away from cupcakes, man. We're going to get a <laughs> we're getting a, No, let's skip that. Let's get tacos or yeah. steak. Yeah, uh, for I sure. I need to back off the dessert. So, anyway, so <laughs> episode 87, that's amazing. Uh, our wives would be so impressed. We should except they're probably at 187. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Um, guys, we are in the summer of wisdom and kind of working through this uh, this survey, just kind of an overview, treetop level of the book of Proverbs and talking about how God has provided for us to experience uh, flourishing and uh, uh, his beauty, his value, his blessings uh, through applied wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is about that. It is the book of wisdom, application of generally true truths or generally true maxims, not laws, not formulas, but uh, general principles that if we apply them, God says they they work out to our benefit. And um, we spent a couple of weeks in chapter one. This week, we're going to jump over into chapter three, not because two is unimportant, but because it repeated some of the stuff we did in chapter one. But uh, we're in chapter three. And Jordan, I don't know, this was probably one of the first Proverbs I ever memorized in Proverbs three, verses five and six. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, you've memorized that one too? Yes, for sure. Yeah. I think it was in Awana verse. It probably was. And I was never in Awana, but I was a listener. Speaking yep. of that, how cool is that? In fact, uh, hey, if you really enjoy the podcast, then at the end of this, let us know how many of you are signing up to serve in Awana next fall. Uh, because what a great way to invest in kids and, uh, and to yep. grow and have a good time. Yeah, it, even even to this day, there's some there's some men who have uh, they've gone home to be with the Lord, yeah. and there's there are people that my son Jeremiah still talks about because they're so influential in his early childhood days, and I want to just uh, helping him understand Scripture and learn it and. They were so patient with him. Man, yeah. Because he was all over the place. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and by the way, we had recently, we had uh, our wrap-up night for Awana around here, and I saw there were lots of cousins of those kids who had lots of energy and oh, all yeah. over the place, man. Uh, I watched one teacher make three bathroom runs uh, with <laughs> different kids each time, so it's yeah. crazy. But hey, uh, in Proverbs 3, this I, I love these two verses here in 3, 5, and 6 because they begin with a uh, a propositional statement for us. We are called to trust in the Lord and to do so not half-heartedly, not in a wishy-washy way, not, as James would say, not as a double-minded man, but to trust in the Lord with all our heart and choose him over our own understanding, not trusting in our understanding as a rival, but to choose God above our own understanding, our own wisdom or reason in all our ways to acknowledge that he is God. His plan, his purpose really does um, uh, it brings us closer to the flourishing of his design. And then it gives a, a promise there. He will make our paths. He will cause our path to be straight. In other words, we'll not get lost around the bend. We'll not uh, follow a crooked line. We'll not suffer uh, if we choose God first, if we trust him and trust him above our own wisdom. 
So uh, that's a big setup for one of the biggest struggles I had in my discipleship journey, which is we find in a couple verses down here. So uh, verses 9 and 10, why don't you hit those for us? You got those close by? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Wow. So this is actually talking about the subject. If you've been around church at all, you've probably heard people use the term tithing or a tithe or bringing the first fruits of your harvest to the Lord. And um, I don't know of a subject out there other than maybe alcohol, which we'll get to at some point, that probably has created more controversy and has more passionate uh, arguers on different sides of it than this one right here. Um, as we talk about the subject of, of the tithe or tithing. So first of all, let's, let me unpack just what that is. A tithe means a tenth, which doesn't mean, hey, a gift. There are gifts, there are offerings, but that's not what this is. A tithe means a tenth, and it speaks of the principle that was required. God said, bring the first tenth of all of your produce to God's house, to his storehouse, so that there would be first food in his house and secondly, resources for him to provide for other people in his name. So the way that God funded or functioned in all of his ministry um, aspects, the way he planned for that was for all the resources to come through his people and to come through a faithfulness to bring the first 10% to him. Now, let me just say to you, I didn't learn tithing that way. I don't know your story, Jordan. You can tell me that in just a second. But I learned tithing or bringing an offering to God differently growing up. My dad, um, blue-collar guy, worked three uh, jobs most of my childhood simultaneously. He worked as a police officer, uh, was his primary thing, and then he uh, did auto servicing. He worked at a, a service station back when service stations were service stations and uh, would change oil and transmission fluid and tires and stuff like that, um, you know, on off days. And then he'd pull security, walk around McDonald's where he would get, uh, you know, keep bad guys from messing with the restaurant at night and stuff. And then he would bring home when I would wake up the next morning, cherry and apple pies. And uh, which, by the way, was always a great gift to wake up as a four or five, six year old. And your dad's left you four or five cherry pies in the fridge that he got wow. from McDonald's. So, yeah, <laughs> I was living my blessed life ever. OK, it was incredible. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of money. I'm the oldest of four. And uh, dad taught me early on. One of the lessons he taught me was pay the responsibility of a man to pay his bills and uh, to care for his family and all. And dad taught me to not tithe early on. He said, we don't have enough money to tithe. So what we're going to do is we're going to give the best we can money wise. And then we'll make up for the difference of that by way of our time. So he might make, I'm making up numbers now, but he might make $200 a week and he would give $10 to God. Or he might make $500 a week and give $20 to God in a tip. But then he would say, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to serve as ushers or we're going to serve driving the van or we're going to vacuum the church or whatever to make up the difference. So I thought a tithe was just a gift. I didn't think of it as the first 10% of the produce or the income of a person. What kind of lessons did you learn about tithing earlier? <laughs> I I can't really pinpoint when I first learned what it meant, but I do remember as a teenager, a young teenager, 
being in church and our pastor would always say, um, he always talked about giving our tithes and offerings and praying for those before the offering plate would come around. Right. And I always thought he was talking about the way we dressed. I always thought that thought he said tithes <laughs> and offering. It's like, wow. wow. I, I mean, you understand things in a funny way as a kid. And so, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, man, we are so disobedient now. I, I know. I maybe wear a tie twice a year or Oof. three times, maybe. Uh, when I learned it, that's probably when I stopped wearing a tie. <laughs> yeah, there you no, go. Okay. No, I, I think what I thought was going on, probably in my my ch- childish mind, was that we are um, we we're dressing up, wearing our best for the Lord on the Lord's day. And we're going to give offerings, and that was kind of the deal. So it was pretty funny. Um, I don't know when it finally clicked what that meant, but it was not long after that. I finally figured out what was, what was going on. It was 10% and all that. So, um, yeah, my, my story is not as clear cut as yours. (laughs) Hey, you probably just encouraged one of our three listeners, whoever that is, because they were probably sitting there going tithe. I don't know what a tithe is. That's a weird thing or whatever. And you just gave them permission to come out of the closet and admit that they didn't know what a tithe was because you thought it was an article of clothing. So there's that good. So our pastor had a really thick Texan accent. So I just, I couldn't understand half what he said anyway. You don't have to understand everything guys from (laughs) Texas say they're from Texas. That's all that really matters. So yeah. Anyway, got it. Um, here's kind of the principle of this and you have to go back to an agricultural, um, understanding where tithe tithes and tithing sort of originated in here, or at least the way the original audience would have heard it because they were mostly an agrarian culture. Um, they would say, Hey, if you have, um, if you're raising cows and you're, you have 10 calves that come in, one of those calves goes to the altar. Um, if you are uh, raising corn then, and you brought in a um, hundred ears of corn, then 10 of those went to the church. Uh, same way with anything else. So the first 10%, but that's, that's the key element, the first 10%. So what they would say is, is while you were harvesting your field, you estimated your whole amount. And then the first 10% was what you brought in even before the whole crop came in. So you may look out there and go, man, I've got, I've got what looks like it's going to be a thousand ears of corn. So I'm going to go ahead and get the first hundred, even before I put any on my table, the first hundred I'm bringing into the Lord's house and giving to him. And then the others um, will be mine to use to, uh, sustain my family and uh, to be seed for future crops and all this other stuff. So the first 10%, you can see in that if it's the first, there's an element of faith in the giving that God's really trying to drill in. Because can we just be honest? God doesn't need cows or corn in order to exist. He's not a human being. Um, he doesn't have to have any of that stuff. So it must be for our benefit and for his worship when we walk in obedience in that way. Yeah, and and I think probably most do, but my translation in verse nine says first fruits. Yeah, the says first fruit. with the first fruits of all your produce, and that I do remember being in high school, and one of our teachers, actually the same guy I was talking about a couple episodes ago, um, who taught me how to read proverbs once a day, mm. uh, but he talked about first fruits, giving our first and our best. And that idea really kind of floored me back then. I, I remember thinking, well, uh, the 
the first and the best. So he was talking about the farming type right, stuff. So, right. uh, and the animals and that sort of thing. So you, you give of your, the first and the best. So your, your best livestock, your best produce and all those go to the Lord first. And so it's this idea of he's worthy of our first and our best. And it really, I think more than, uh, providing anything for God, which you just said he doesn't need this stuff right really it's doing a work in us god's doing a work in us whenever we give our first and our best to him putting god in the proper place in our hearts and our lives showing that he's the the first and the best yeah and deserving of those things when this drops we'll be knee deep probably in hebrews chapter 11 in my sunday morning teaching series which is really the hall of faith and it talks about Mm -hmm. how people live by faith and that their faith becomes an encouragement to us this is purely a faith uh approach to what you do this is not like the story i was sharing about what my dad taught me my dad didn't give first fruits my dad considered what he was going to have to spend and then he took from the leftover and gave generously of the leftovers to God, but not the first fruits. He yeah. lacked the faith. Now, by the way, Dad's in heaven now. He's with Jesus, and uh, not because he gave a tithe or didn't give a tithe or did it right or didn't do it right, but he's in there because Jesus saved him. Yeah. And um, uh, he came along later in his life, and he said, hey, I got tithing wrong. And uh, he became a meticulous giver uh, of a tithe and a generous offering beyond that in uh, in his later years once this really connected for him. But it didn't connect for me, Jordan, until I was in maybe my mid to late 20s and a pastor explained about the first fruits and giving priority to God and mm-hmm. worshiping in doing that. And since you mentioned the first and best, you discouraged one of our other listeners because they were just planning to bring their used sofa that they were getting rid of (laughs) and bring that and give it to the Lord and feel good about it. And uh, what they should have done was gone down to rooms to go, bought a new sofa and gave it to the Lord and kept the old one or (laughs) bought two new ones and got one for them and one for the Lord as opposed to passing that one on uh, (laughs) because their generosity really wasn't as awesome a worship as it was a chance to get rid of something they didn't want in their house so i'll let that lay there for someone to send (laughs) us complaint email uh later so anyway you've got that piece of it there here's the promise that comes with that so all god's instructions carry with them um a a potential or a promise something that says beyond that and when you catch verse 10 so that your barns will be filled with plenty or to overflowing and your vats will overflow with new wine so here's what he said you are to honor the lord that's the idea verse 9 with all your wealth and from the first fruits of all that you produce so that god can provide for you exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could think or ask and uh, this is where one of those formula things comes in there are some people out there there are preachers out there who wear ties and uh, have gold (laughs) furniture on their stage and uh, they would say if you want god to bless you you're going to have to sow some seeds. You're going to have to bring up in yep. here and sow above and beyond so you can get some. We're not selling a formula. We're not saying by doing this, then you're going to somehow put God in a quid pro quo relationship. We're saying do this because at first it honors God and he's told us to. And then you can trust him by faith to make sure that you have all of your needs met and beyond because of who God is because he's a provider and one who cares for you 
uh, all along mm-hmm. the way. Now, you and I have probably heard people that have said, well, Chris, this is Old Testament stuff. I mean, tithing is all in the Old Testament. They don't even mention the tithe in the New Testament. So why would this even be required of me? And uh, let me just jump in for a second and say, that's just not so. Um, first of all, it's, it's affirmed in the New Testament, by the way. If you think about, you remember when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and he said to them, he says, uh, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe of mint, rue, and cumin, but you ignore the weightier matters of the law, love and mercy and justice. These things you should have done, love, mercy, justice, without leaving the other things, tithing of mint, rue, and cumin, without leaving those undone. So he affirmed in the New Testament what was a normal, common, everyday practice for folks. So I know some people who would say, I can't or I don't think I have to or it's not it's not what God says. But I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it uh, reverses course on any of that stuff. And I do see where Jesus affirmed it, uh, even though he also fulfilled it. We'd never tithe in order to earn God's favor, earn God's redemption, Jesus fulfills God's redemptive plan and he satisfies God's favor perfectly and imputes that to us. We give out of a sense of honor. So most guys I know would say in the New Testament, they would say if they gave 10% under the Mosaic law, how much more should they give under the law of grace? And they would say the 10% is not, it would be minimum standard for where we are today. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is it seems like really scripture uh more so uh rather than holding to 10% really makes it like a minimum and that that we we give above and beyond those things and just we're generous people. Um people who follow Jesus really really should be generous people. People looking for opportunities to give um opportunities to to give beyond the tithe, give the tithe, and then also give gifts beyond that, and then give of our time, give of our uh, our stuff, our uh, things that we possess, and being people who are are generous of what we own, just yeah. in general. I think I think it just presses on the accelerator more than it yeah. than it doesn't. It should, I think. And if it doesn't, if it works to the opposite, if it becomes a, a break as opposed to an accelerator, to use that analogy and run through there, then I think, at least in my own heart, that tends to be more of a reflection of something that I need to wrestle through in my own heart that's probably resistant to faith in God, not necessarily a, a chance to be more biblical because I want to prove that I can give less. But usually I find in my own life, if I'm holding on to something really tightly, it's more of an indicator, not of my faithfulness to hold on to it, but it's probably an indicator that there's a, there's a sin issue in my life around that, that I need to wrestle to the ground. So, um, we've just covered one of the most controversial subjects. So probably our three listeners will drop to two next week, uh, when we come back. But, uh, um, anyway, man, what a good thought process here that if we trust the Lord, lean not on our understanding, but acknowledge him in every way that he will accomplish his will. And one of those statements, just to follow three verses behind, uh, bring your first fruits into God's house, give them over to God, honor him with the first fruits of your wealth so that he can provide for you exceedingly abundantly um, in all ways, which he does as our great provider. Anything you think to add? 
That's it. I think I think this is a this has been good. I I think it's challenging for for us anytime we go through Proverbs. So looking forward to what's next. Yeah. And hey, Stay if, with you, if you learned something here, pass it on to somebody else and we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you for joining us for the My Home, My Mission podcast. If today's episode was helpful to you, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to contact Chris or Jordan, email us at home at inglewoodbaptist.com.